From Love and Radio, you're listening to The Secrets Hotline at 929Secrets. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Hi. I called last winter to tell my secret that I am a sex worker and a caregiver, a medical student, and a mom. I'm also afraid of not being able to pay the bills, and Christmas is coming, and I want to give my kids the things they deserve. That's not the secret that I am calling about. I am feeling very conflicted. I have been able to get a better job that is not caregiving, that pays me more while I'm in school. I'm still doing sex work, but just not as much. My secret is that my niece is a teenager. I got home from work and I had my tips from a restaurant job and she saw it in my wallet and she jokingly told her dad that she wanted to be a stripper. And I'm not a stripper, and I've never told her that I'm a stripper, and no one in my family knows about my other job. And I mean that, no one. And when she said that, I I I don't know how to feel about that, about imagining her doing what I do, that I have to do, that I actually don't feel bad about. I, like, I, I don't. I would not be able to have my own house and have as much time with my children as I do and have as much time to study for fucking medical school. I'm a fucking medical student, and I have to do this bullshit. Her dad, who is my brother, who is one of my best friends in the world, and does not know that this is what I do. Like his response to her just sucked. I'm not going to encourage my niece to do this or anyone in my family, but especially not her. I just feel bad because, like, I don't know. It's like holding up a mirror. Like, I don't feel bad about what I'm doing. But if it was her, it would break my fucking heart. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have anything else. Hey, Nick. I was just thinking something. I don't know if this is a secret. And if it is, I feel like it's all of our secrets. But I think that we're a lot more adaptable than we think we are. Humans the proverbial we. I think we can do a lot more than we think we can do for ourselves. Not like, do this, but like, hey, if you do this, it'll be good. You need to do. What we need to do is believe that what is going on is all right, even if it sucks. And then just keep doing it. And maybe become somebody we didn't think we would become in doing so. Let that be okay. Let it surprise us. Let it be something that we look back on and are like, whoa, when did I become this person? Oh, yeah, it was because I had to. Because something happened that I wasn't expecting, and instead of crumbling and dying, I just adapted to it. Because I'm a badass. Because we're all badasses, and we can all adapt to all the bullshit. So, I don't know. I hope other people feel that way. And I hope I keep feeling this way. Because I don't always feel this way. But I did right now, so I thought I would call. I love this podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who gives a piece of themselves.
Bye. Gentlemen, we can rebuild it. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first truly anonymous hotline better than it was before. Better, stronger, faster. Just leave a voice note at secretshotline.org and ask for a voice change to take advantage of our new voice alteration service. That's secretshotline.org. Nicholas, Sardine, Tuna Punch Punch, Vandercoke. How did you get that nickname? It is I. Uh, did way too much mushrooms trying to cure my depression, and now I have permanent anxiety girl who apparently opened a wormhole on your podcast. Thank you, I just wanted to make clear that I'm not talking about just one bad trip. I take anti-anxiety medication every single day now. It's been three and a half years. I have been diagnosed with anxiety and it was caused by the trauma from my mushroom trip period that was it my mushroom trip that was taken as a spiritual attempt last-ditch effort to cure my depression I wasn't just trying to have fun with you know with drugs like I'm too old for that so that's that and then I also wanted to say just um, the woman who's talking about faking orgasms Yeah, my heart kind of hurts hearing that for several reasons, not just like the fact of the matter of faking orgasms, but like the fact that she feels like that makes her closer to men. What it really true intimacy is honesty. Honestly, it doesn't do any other women who ever sleep with those men any good for them to think that they can get a woman off by like two pumps. (laughs) It doesn't because then we have to teach him, oh, or put up with his terrible sex and feel like we don't want to teach him and then we just like break up with him. I've done that too. It's like, I am too old to teach you how to fuck me. Like, just go away. I didn't have an orgasm, period, until I was 23, I think. And I've been sexually active for four, five years at that point. I faked orgasms before that too. Why did I do that? Because that's what I saw like women in porn doing. And also I didn't know how to have an orgasm. I didn't know how to do it. I'm here in the Bible Belt. Sex education was practically non-existent and very shame-based. Now, I was raised in a Christian background, so I didn't really masturbate. And even when I did, like, I still didn't know where my clit was. I didn't know that that was a thing. I just heard rumors about it. It's so liberating for everyone involved to understand your body and know how to make that experience as... What's the word I want to I want to say clean, like as pure as it can be. And I think purity in that situation is like being honest with yourself and with your partner. And I mean, what a fun adventure it could be to like figure out with your partner how to get you off like for real, you know. But I also get that like there's a lot of pressure on us to please men. I can't imagine a, a man calling in and being like, I have to go back. I've been faking orgasms because I just know that I like want to. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would never happen. A man who's like, I just it makes me feel good to like make her feel good, thinking that she can make me feel good, even though she's not actually doing it right. Like, fuck no, nah. that is not gonna happen. So, anyway, have a good day, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Take naps.
Hey, Nick. Three years ago, my friend's girlfriend got into a little tiff with my partner at the time and hasn't let it go for three years. I, for years, kept saying, hey, if you want to meet up and bury the hatchet, I'd love to talk, here for that. Every six to eight months, I'd let them know I was open to communication, but they threatened to throw off my friend's wedding ceremony if I was to come be in the wedding party. And I just wrote a scathing text, and it felt so good. It felt good to say how I felt instead of trying to be the nice guy, which I had been for years and years. It felt good. That's my secret. Hi. I called a while ago giving a secret about a man I used to be in love with. It haunts me. I daydream about telling him that I loved him. I even rehearse it in my car sometimes. I thought that we were going to meet up in New Orleans for Jazz Fest, and it was so exciting. I thought, wow, this might be the moment that I finally tell him after so many years how I feel. And then I got a job in England, and I had to move, and I realized I wasn't going to have that opportunity. So when I told him that I wasn't going to see him, he said, well, that's great because I'm doing a tour in England. So we spent time together in England, and I was freaking out all week, like visibly shaking eyebrows twitching (laughs) on the verge of just telling him how I felt and finally on the second to last day he said nothing that you can ever say to me will ever jeopardize our friendship and that's when I knew it was okay to release the secret that I had been holding inside for so many years and I told him that I loved him and that I've been in love with him for years and and he told me that it was okay and that he felt similarly and that no matter how long I had kept this secret finally telling him had not driven him away, but in fact brought us closer together. And we talk all the time now, and it feels so good to not hold that in anymore. And so my advice now to anybody listening is that if you're holding in a secret like that, you want to tell somebody that you love them, listen, Life is too short. And all of the anxiety that you feel, it might just be in your head. Because the reaction that you actually get from them might end up being exactly what you wanted to hear. Thanks, Nick. Hello. I was sitting here listening to the podcast, and I heard the woman that told the story about her friend teaching her how to masturbate when she was a kid. I wonder... How did her brother teach her that? And it made me think of my own experience. When I was 10 years old, I had a friend. I called him my cousin because we were very close friends, but he was an older friend. He must have been 13 at the time. 
and he taught me how to masturbate. He taught me how to masturbate in a car. He didn't touch me or anything. He just gave me some porno magazines and said, this is what you do. And I was like, oh, okay. I enjoyed it so much that I then went on to teach the same lesson to my cousins, my younger cousins. And we used to have weird masturbation parties. Uh huh. Yeah, you're not as weird as you think you are. Have a good one. I have two secrets to tell. The first secret was when I was about six or seven and my brother was about seven or eight. We took showers together as kids and we would wash each other's backs and stuff like that. My brother had the idea that we should suck each other's wieners. And I didn't know what that meant at that age, of course, you know, but he said that it would feel good. So we did. And the only thing I got from it was that it felt strange and funny and it made me laugh. That was the only thing I got from it. Um, and same thing with my brother, you know, he, we were just too young to know what that was. I think we were just curious what it was. <laughs> so we did that to each other. My brother came out straight. I came out gay, not because of the situation, I'm pretty sure, but hey, just letting you know. Another interesting sexual experience I had was when I was 12. This is a second secret I have that I've only told to like a little bit of people. Um, usually because I wanted to throw out the straight card that I slept with a girl, even though it wasn't really true sex because again, we were kids, 12 years old. She was 11, I think. We just learned sex in elementary school. She was like, well, I'm gonna ride you. And I couldn't get hard because, you know, I was scared. And I think her sister was in the living room downstairs. And so we were upstairs trying to have sex. I was like, well, I don't want to like, get you pregnant. So can we use a condom? And she's like, well, I don't have condoms. So this is kind of funny. We use Saram wrap <laughs> to prevent any pregnancy, which, you know, I couldn't even get hard to begin with. So it didn't really matter, but here we are trying to have this most uncomfortable sex on the entire planet. And uh, yeah, I think between the wiener sucking and that, I mean, that kind of traumatized me a little bit. With the whole going back to my brother thing, I feel like he definitely still remembers it because we had smoked weed when I was 13 and which he got me hooked on drugs. So my brother's very influential in my life, apparently. He got me hooked on weed and uh, we smoked it one time and we both smelled like it. And he's like, can I get in the shower with you before mom gets home? I don't want to smell like it. And I was like, you have to wait. I said, I don't want you sucking my day. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not gonna suck your day. It was just like, oh God. So it's a little traumatizing to, you know, still have that memory. And it sucks that it's still there because it's a core memory. You know, you think of all the things that you can't remember the, that age. Why do I have to remember that, you know? But anyways, keep living your lives. You guys are beautiful people. We're all part of this strange world doing strange things. It just gives us the character that we are. God bless. That's it for the Secrets Hotline, for now. Of course, you can leave your own secret or response at secretshotline.org by calling 929-SECRETS or by recording something yourself and emailing it to contact at secretshotline.org.
Our family lore episode is coming out next week, but if you call now, you might still have a chance to make it into that show. Again, it's 929secrets or secretshotline.org. Remember, if you change your mind for whatever reason, you can call back within 24 hours, and I'll make sure your call doesn't get into the podcast. And if you can, find a quiet place to record and don't use a speakerphone or hands-free device. The quality of the call is much better when you don't. This episode featured the music of Esmeralda, Isikral, Las Olas, and Kishosis. Check the show notes for the full playlist. The Secrets Hotline is a labor of love and radio and made possible thanks to our subscribers. If you want to join the group of fine, beautiful people who make this show possible, go to loveandradio.org slash member to support us on Patreon. Or if you use Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe right in the app. You'll be supporting a show you love and get access to special ad-free extended episodes with extra secrets. And if you do like the show, please leave a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. It helps other people discover the show. I'm Nicholas Sarding Punch Punch Vanderkolk. Thank you for listening.